Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day, scholars, and welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I am this week's host, joined by last week's host. This is Tom Philp on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge pretty much every single week on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts from. Best way for you to support is to rate, review, subscribe, add this to your social media. As always, tweet it out, Instagram it out, TikTok it out, be real it out, write a letter, ring your mum, act it out with your family on a balcony as a play for your local community. All of these things are helpful, I am told. Also, as always, you can find us over there on social media, on Twitter, at WSBFUN, that's Wrestling Should Be Fun, and Instagram at Wrestling Should Be Fun, all one word. That's about as quick as I've ever done the intro. We have a two-man booth this week. This is going to be one of those getting-to-know-you style of episodes, dear listener. We will do a bit of wrestling chat, but also a little bit of We Are Mates chat, and we're going to have a public conversation about friendship. Ain't that grand? You coming around mine tonight? Play Provo. Depends. Will your friend, the footballer, be there? Ah, oh, friend, football friend. Oh, best friends forever and ever. Oh, friend. So I am welcoming my friend. It's Big Laddie Cool, Matthew Connolly. Matty, how are you, mate? I'm very good. Taking notes, as you know, as the step-in host, on how perfectly you've just done that. You've zipped through that like it's second nature, mate. Yeah, it's just, it is robotic. Once you've done it a few times, right? Like, I'm not sure how many of the 70 episodes I've done, but it's probably at least half, I guess, and most of the first one. So it just kind of, it's just a bit like clockwork. It's like anything, right? Like, you know, from a performing standpoint, once you do everything uh, for a while, it becomes autonomous, doesn't it? And um, yeah, definitely. not to say I don't mess it up sometimes, but I actually I actually wanted to ask, the first thing I wanted to ask you, or really not even a question, I just wanted to give you a wrap. I genuinely really enjoy the podcast when you host it. Like I don't, I actually, I don't listen back when I host it, obviously, but I do when you do. And my favourite part is your greeting, brothers, sisters, gender resistors. Um, yeah. So much so that I've started using that like in my classroom at school. Uh, <laughs> That's like, amazing. Yeah, like I used the like at my I emceed a dinner recently for my cricket club. I used it there. So uh, number one, I'm definitely stealing it. But I probably need to know: Have you stolen it from somewhere, or is that is that a Connolly original? Oh no, no, I've definitely stolen it, mate. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. We're passing it on. It's such a good intro. It's um funny enough. It's the guy that comic that I've been trying to shove onto you for about half a year. Yeah. Um, that guy who wrote that then wrote another comic. And when he advertised it, he did that intro and it's just always stuck with me. So I thought oh, really? he's niche enough that no one really knows the guy. So yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to take it. And if I'm ever asked, I'm never going to claim it as my own, but it's a really nice one. I think it's uh, it's all inclusive. It's very modern. So yeah. I'm glad you're passing it on. I, yeah, I think it's really good. Cause for a while, like, I'm, you know, I, I try to be as, uh, Politically correct, I think it's the term as possible. I was about to say lefty woke, but that's probably not right. I try to be as politically correct as possible when I'm in the classroom because we, you know, we have a lot of students that are non-binary, and um, we have, I teach a couple of transgender students, so you really try to be inclusive. And I started with for a while. I was like, you know, my whole career, the first decade, decade of teaching, I was always ladies and gents, 
And then I was like, oh, ladies, gents, non-binary friends. But in the classroom, you don't really want to call students your friends. Like, it's a bit weird. I don't don't like using that term. But, yeah, so brothers, sisters, gender resistors. I mean, people might say, oh, well, you don't say friends, but why brothers and sisters? But it's a bit more tongue-in-cheek, I think. So I I think um, it has the double whammy because it's, one, it rhymes. Sisters and resistors is great. And and secondly, resistors sounds like a position of strength. So I think it brings everyone up to the same level. It's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely outstanding from you. And I've officially stolen it. It's mine now. I'll get a T-shirt made. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy for everyone to use it, as long as they don't claim that I made it up. That's fine. <laughs> Connolly 2022. <laughs> <laughs> reference study. Harvard-style reference. But it was um, you who um, told me, Dog, because you were like, oh, you just, at the start of the podcast, the ones I listen to, you just need to have a catchphrase and then people listen. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, yeah, like, all right, I'll have one then. It's true, though. Like, that's why I do my thing, you know, G'day scholars like I, I I never call anyone scholars in the real world in the wild but you, do, you just have to have a, a something to start and if you start with the same words every time people I don't know I'm sure it's some sort of endorphins or something like that yeah. it's kind of like um, back in when I was on the dating world you know you always you make sure you have an opener don't you but it, I got myself into trouble a couple of times back in the online dating days I I remember the worst thing you could do is copy and paste but forget to change the name <laughs> and I remember and, but then like it was just one of those things where I'm like oh fuck and then I'd, I'd always just open, like just be completely open like dragging up and come back from this or nah you know <laughs> but, but yeah so it's, it's I guess it's a little bit like that we should talk some wrestling uh, big laddie cool so the plan dear listener this week is we're going to do a quick what the nerds are watching just talk a bit of wrestling and then our round table is just going to be more of what we've just done a bit of a long format chat just to catch up really with a wrestling sort of theme to it so let's get into it up first this is what the nerds are watching i've been watching you a la 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 long a la 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 long 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 come on a la 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 long a la 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 long Right, Matt, I'm always interested to hear what you've been watching because I feel like out of the regulars on the Wrestling Should Be Fun pod, it's always you who says they have watched the least wrestling over the last, I don't know, maybe six months? Oh, 100%. 100%, Yeah. yeah. I know for sure you've seen a bit of wrestling this week. What's caught your eye? Well, it was Extreme Rules, which I thought was just a great show, like uh, really tight. Uh, Did you see it as well, Dom? I did, I did. I stayed up for a little bit because I was... I was out on Saturday night for a little while um, at a couple of birthday parties and I got in and then my partner, uh, the beautiful Holly Austin, Stone Cold Holly Austin, she wasn't home yet. So I, I stayed up watching it until she got in. And so I caught maybe the first two or three matches live and then I watched the rest the next day. But yeah, I, I'm the same as you, Matt. I really enjoyed the show. For me, the probably the stand, just off the top of my head, I haven't like made any notes or anything, but off the top of my head, I just thought the opener was unbelievable, right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, Seamus has been saying banger after banger, and he's not lying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just such fun. I mean, obviously, for us guys, there's always that added, even now, there's that added wrinkle of like seeing most of these guys live and just loving seeing them on the main stage and, and thriving. So there's always that enjoyment. But I just thought these guys, they just hit a little harder. They tell good stories, and it's a back and forth thing that can just keep going and going. 
Yeah, I felt like that's an understatement from you. They hit a little harder. Like I was, <laughs> act, I was genuinely blown away. One of my things about Extreme Rules, the whole show, was I just thought that everyone beat the shit out of each other. I, I don't know if that was because like the opener started it and then everyone had to follow that, but it almost felt to me like there was a. It's like a decision. It's like, well, Extreme Rules. One thing we're going to do is people are going to chop the shit out of each other. I know that Walter kind of does that all the time, but I, like just something about that opener really grabbed me. It was almost a bit more gritty. Than, yeah, definitely, definitely. And like there were bits where you could see like, I think just stuff like that Walter, Walter, uh, I, sorry, I'm not doing this to be a, a smarky cunt. <laughs> I, I accidentally just made the mistake of calling Walter. Gunter, excuse me, I don't mind the name actually. Uh, Gunter, he was, you know, a couple of maybe the, maybe Pete, and um, Ridge might have had hold of him trying to, for Seamus to smack him. And then he didn't just stand there and take it. He was like kicking out with his feet. And just like little things like that, to me, made it seem a bit more gritty and realistic. Oh, uh, I'll tell you another one was when, um, and I might be, this might be a mismemory because I had a couple of beers, but I swear Seamus had uh, Gunter in the, whatever he calls that move where he slaps their chest. It's something about beats of a yeah. something. Yeah, and then the Bowery. Yeah. yeah, and then the other two lads at ten just got involved as well and just threw another ten licks in themselves and just went ham on him. I was like, yeah, Jesus Christ. Seamus's chest was pretty much. It looked like it was caved in before the match started, and I was like, imagine, <laughs> imagine having to roll into work the next day after having the shit chopped out of you, and they'd be like, righto, you, you've got Gunter again two days in a row. For me, it paid off. I absolutely loved it. And then one of my favourite things was sort of after the match, and like you said, the catchphrase, banger after banger. But you could just see it was almost like, oh, that's not Butch there on the left of my screen. That was Pete Dunn having a laugh and yeah. a smile saying banger after banger. It, it was like it really, it was more of a personable thing. It wasn't scrappy-doo. Shadow creature, you're dealing with Scrappy Doo now. Prepare to splat. Ah! Oh, yeah, that's Pete Dunn acknowledging that he's a wrestling wizard. I don't know, just everything about it really caught my attention. And maybe I'm the same as you, like, oh, I wasn't drinking, but it was late at night and I was watching it live. There is just something more special about watching wrestling live, isn't there? Oh, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. like, um, there's so many times where I just can't commit to the live version and then I'm the next day and then just because of the bubble you get in social media ends up ruining the matches and you just can't invest the same and that's that's the fault of our own social media interactions and everything i'm not complaining about that yeah so when you're watching it live yeah you are just in the moment and yeah it was the perfect match to start and it was probably my favorite as well like it really set the tone i do agree i think every match tried to raise the bar and every match tried to hit hard yeah it was really noticeable for me you know, opener was probably my highlight, but what other highlights of the show? Well, I mean, apart from obviously the ending, which has got the wrestling world talking, um, in terms of the matches, I don't think there was a, a bad one. I mean, yeah. people have complained about Ronda live and it was clunky at times, but I still enjoyed it. It felt real. I mean, that's how I want Ronda Rousey matches to feel a little bit on yeah. the edge. So I like that. Uh, I thought Bailey Bianca was fun. Uh, Bianca Belair is now John Cena, which I'm not going to complain about if she can just beat everyone. Uh, yeah, some people you, might, but I'm I'm genuinely not being sarcastic. I like it. I think the women's division needs someone like that. I'm loving it. You and I, we I think we both took Bailey to win, didn't we? I think in our yeah. little Pickham's group, and I wasn't overly confident. And then as the match started, I was like, oh wow, you know, like 
this is just, it's good wrestling booking because we felt like the challenger had a chance at beating the champion and the, the babyface champion overcame. That's like, you know, that shows really good booking over a period of time, you know, from whoever's in charge of Raw. I'm going to say Triple H because I'm a lazy hack and I assume that whoever the one boss is books everything. But, you know, I was like, well, that I just really looked at that rather than being like disappointed that uh, Bailey didn't win. I was like, wow, that's really good booking that they made me think that she could. A Bailey doesn't need the rub, so to say. And like they're telling this story of Bianca like charging through the horsewomen. And it makes this Charlotte match now, presuming that happens down the line, even bigger. Um, they've yeah. got the history from NXT as well, where I think Charlotte did beat her in NXT. Um, so they've kind of done this story with all the horsewomen where Bianca's had to overcome something where with Sasha, it was, can you handle the big occasion? With Becky, it was, can you overcome the fact you got embarrassed? With Bailey, it's, can yeah. you handle the numbers game? So now with yeah. Charlotte, it's going to be, can you put the final nail in the coffin of these horsewomen and become yeah. the ultimate? I think it's great. Like, whether Vince is booking it, Triple H is booking it, they're doing a great job with Bianca. And and Charlotte is the final boss. That's how it should be as well, I think. Oh, 100%. And I'm obviously a fully-fledged member of the congregation that Charlotte might be the best wrestler, male or female, in WWE. So I'm very excited for Bianca Charlotte possibly happening. I presume it's going to happen. I've got no idea if the dirt sheets are saying it's going to happen, but I presume that's where this story goes. At some point, it has to. I noticed that there was a Charlotte Flair video package during mm. the show, which was well done and well put together, as, as the WWE video packages always are. You mentioned Ronda Rousey in passing. Like, I just wanted to double back with that. What is people's beef with Ronda Rousey? I don't get it. Like I, yeah. I like I really enjoy her work, and I just there's just something legitimate about it. Do you think this? I haven't prepared you for this question. Do you think that wrestling fans are just in general like harsher judges on the female talent than the male talent? Like, oh like, yeah, definitely. Like, like it just to me that just felt unfair. I was like, well, last month you were booing Liv Morgan for like being on a on an underdog story, and now you're gonna boo Ronda just because she's fucking great and beats the shit out of people. During the week, I actually read a quote from Ronda Rousey, like pretty much putting over like wrestling fans over USC fans about how they're more loyal and how they make connection with characters, whereas USC fans just cheer for knockouts. And you're still gonna turn around and boo this person who's <laughs> like clearly working her ass off for your entertainment I, I just don't understand and i was like you know lesnar doesn't get that shit because that's yeah. the comparison isn't it you know like rousey lesnar similar sort of talents in a way similar sort of schedule in a way booked in a similar fashion lesnar doesn't get it, it I, yeah i just i don't know it's yeah I, I do you know what i think you've hinted at it. i think it is a quite a complicated and complex debate when it comes to Rousey I think generally if you ask wrestling fans they'd admit that her debut year was pretty good like by any standard she had good rivalries she grew into her matches she had good matches along the way I remember really enjoying bring her up again the Charlotte one even though it ended in a DQ finish and stuff and I think generally she was considered very well and I don't know whether it was a personality thing when she did that kind of kayfabe not kayfabe brother promo before the Becky Charlotte stuff whether yeah. people just soured on her a bit then. I mean, I do agree as a general point that the female talent get harsher criticism. I don't think that's unfair or controversial to say. I think in the case of Ronda, though, there's something else. And I think it comes down to the fact she's such a megastar coming into another industry. Maybe there's a bit of protection from wrestling fans of like, oh, you can't just come here and become number one. We're not having that. Yeah. 
you know, and then on the other hand, the same people would probably have bad bunny for world heavyweight champion, you know, universal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and who wouldn't, eh? What yeah, guy? no, look, fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm going to tap out of that conversation because I know very little about Bad Bunny, but I, uh, of course, like he was one of the quote-unquote celebrities that, you know, really shone. But they always do, don't they? We, I think we have that same conversation every time. There haven't been many examples of, like, big name from another industry coming in and then having an absolute stinker and being obviously undercooked for the ring, you know? WWE obviously do it very well whether it's, uh, you know, the the guy from bloody Arrow, whether it's Bad Bunny, whether it was Pat McAfee and now even Logan Paul. They all looked good, didn't they? You know? Yeah, yeah, no, they have all looked good. And, like, it, it always comes back to that conversation of credit to Blank who worked with them for making them yeah, look yeah. good. And it's like, yeah, sure, that guy, but also probably the road agent booked that match perfectly and they know what yeah. they're doing these it, we're also in an era where the guys they're booking or the girls in this case of Ronda, these are athletes, you know. I know Pat McAfee was a kicker, right? I know very little about yeah. his football career, but I'm sure he was an athlete, like yeah. Logan Paul, athlete. <laughs> like Ronda, obviously a world champion in the UFC. Like these people can work if they're told what to do. Like they, they're not bringing in Drew Carey. Like, no, yeah, that's it. They can work around, but yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, I think even a cynical fan will be excited if they go down a Ronda Shayna direction. And I don't want to get into this whole, I realise I'm already doing it with all, oh, well, they're going to do this match, which I'm going to be more excited for. I just feel like WWE's changed in direction recently, obviously, with the Triple H turnover, where I'm more excited for the direction of stuff. And it's not in a fantasy booking way, just enough I can see the way the story's going and it's exciting. Yeah. Well, question for you, you know, you maybe don't keep up with the weekly product as, or it may, oh, you do keep up with it. Of course you do. You're here with us every week, but yeah. may, maybe you don't watch as much of it minute to minute. Like, do you think that that's starting to change for you? Are you? Do you think that you'll commit more of your time to watching WWE Weekly Television, for example? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm constantly feeling guilty about the fact I don't, especially as you say, the fact I'm irregularly presenting a wrestling podcast. I always feel guilty. <laughs> I should watch more. I definitely want to, it's like going to be a new year's resolution to try and watch more wrestling next year. Cause I always enjoy it when I watch it. I don't want it to sound like I've uh, lost love. I've maybe lost love for the, the amount of hours, but I think all wrestling fans have that, but um, I do miss watching things. It's just a uh, time and, and, and the fact that I bloody love football and there's loads of that at the moment, but post world yeah. cup, I think uh, wrestling will go back at the top of the agenda again. Um, and yeah, the way WWE is now, I liked it before <laughs> Um, I was with Ross that there was still loads of good stuff. And I think you were kind of on in the middle, if not committed to that too. But um, the way things are now, I'm, I'm so excited. And with the, obviously the lads I work with, like John and Harris, who are part of the group, like there's way more wrestling conversations now about WWE than there was before. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I was thinking about this when I was watching Extreme Rules. We often say that our group is kind of split a little bit between like the AEW side of things and the WWE. And I think, you know, Ross always carries the flag for WWE and um, myself and Brummett and Shafi often, you know, talk about AEW very positively. But I, I was thinking about it watching Extreme Rules. I was like, when there is a great match on WWE, it still feels like it means just that little bit more. I, I don't know if it's because it stands out more because in AEW, like every match is almost like wall-to-wall action. I don't know if it's because, you know, the fans are a different fan base and it takes more for them to get behind things in an interactive way. But when I watched, I watched the six man and I think it was you that said, you know, 
like on a message or oh the PWG style match, right? And I was just like, yeah, but for whatever reason, it means more on a WWE special event than it does anywhere else in the world. hundred um, percent. And I just can't quite put my finger on why it is. I just don't. Know, I don't know if it's because we are just spoiled us AEW watchers with you know five star match after five star match every week. There's maybe two or three every week that we could talk about. But like right now, we are even doing it. I'm not going to talk about AEW this week, even though I watched eight hours of it. And there were probably 10 matches that were every bit as good as the six man from Extreme Rules. But for whatever reason, when it's on WWE special event, it just seems to stand out, doesn't it? Yeah, I can't explain it either because I I, um, I feel like I've learned, especially lately with the some of the unsavory sort of comparisons that are made between AEW and WWE. I, I honestly just want good wrestling. I, that is my mantra. Like I do agree with that. But I also acknowledge that within myself, there is a slight bias towards WWE. And I don't know whether that's just a comfort or whether it is just like the big production side of it and me just buying into that. Like, I always feel like when a WWE have a good match, I feel like I have to defend it more. Like, oh, no, no, this was actually really good. Like, not WWE good, like really good. Um, So like my match of the year, as I said on the pod last week, is probably, and I'd have to check, Cody Seth. But I'm not, I would honestly say maybe 25% of that is the fact that WWE did it and it's like this was brilliant like that they did that so yeah. it's a strange one I can't really drill into it too much because I don't know but I always feel like the WWE um, production and the, the fact they are the biggest thing always adds an extra yeah whatever percentage you want to put on it to the matches yeah it's just to watch this space I think because like now I think I've said it you've said it I think Brummett said it as well he's drawn to watch a bit more WWE to see how it's going and um, you know, he hasn't been turned off as much since uh, since he watched whatever show he watched recently. What, what was, was it? SummerSlam. Was SummerSlam, Brum watched? Yeah, it must have been SummerSlam. Yeah. And I just think that, um, like, you know, for us, it's going to be interesting for us maybe to look back in, you know, maybe episode 100 or something like that in 30 weeks' time and be like, hey, are we all now just watching War and SmackDown every week, the full versions without fast-forwarding? Who knows what's going to happen? It Again, it just it feels like another exciting time to be a wrestling fan for a completely different reason to what it was two years ago when we were saying the same thing. Yeah, I'll be really interested when um, Ross does his poll at the end of the year for promotion of the year. I think it's going to be far harder to decipher this year who's promotion of the year because I do think WWE are really picking up steam. And I even think some of the stuff they were doing during the Vince era was pretty decent. So let alone what they've done on Triple H, where they've had two pay-per-views back-to-back now where they put on less matches. They've followed a similar model, not the same, but a similar model to the NXT one. They're telling good stories. They've got an audience that follow the product that are so engaged to be talking bad about WWE now for any, like if we're just talking in ring action and the stuff that happens there, if you're talking bad about WWE now, then it's probably down to like Kevin Dunn's camera styles and things like that. Yeah. Rather yeah. than what's happening. Because I honestly think top to bottom, it's a really good show right now. There's so much happening that we could talk about at length. No, we haven't even talked about the biggest thing, like the Bray Wyatt return, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It'd be interesting to see what they do with that. I guess it would be good if Ross was here because I, I do have to put my hands up. It is Tuesday as we were recording this. So Raw would have happened, you know, less than 24 hours ago. I actually haven't seen anything that happened on Raw. I'm not sure if they followed up Bray Wyatt on Raw, if there was, you know, the seeds of another angle built. Do you know this? or I don't know for certain because I know yeah. what the major talking point coming out of Raw was. And I feel like if Wyatt was there, it would have been that. 
And also Harrison, who I work with, is a massive white fan, and he didn't tell me. But yeah. the big thing coming out of Raw was uh, I don't want to spoil. Can I spoil? Oh, it? No, I saw it. I saw it as the, oh yeah, like the Bullet Club. Yeah? The Bullet Club are back, right? Bullet Club. Which I don't yeah. know if that's a needed move or not, but that's cool. That's an interesting get. Like, I, I don't know if anyone saw that one coming, right? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't follow the dirt sheets, but... That's, <laughs> He's still got a new Japan belt. Yeah. As I'm that's, sure you've seen. Like, that's what I was about to say. Carl Anderson has, you know, I was at the New Japan show the other day. I don't think he's dropped the never the never open weight title. I feel like we had Pickham's or like, he's, he must be, he's going to defend it against Hikaleo, I think. He, so. just, he just beat Tanahashi in his most recent defense. Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm pretty... Like, from the London show that I was at the other week, it looked like they're building towards him versus Hikaleo. I think yeah, that, was... that is happening. That is still happening, allegedly. Yeah, yeah. so this, you know, well, well they're going to have to. They're not going to let him. I mean, I'm sure they're going to want him to defend it. You know, what? maybe, I don't know, Forbidden Door, whatever. Yeah, don't really get yeah. involved in the Forbidden Door action stuff. But anyway, on Wyatt, um, no, I don't think anything did happen on Raw, but I could be completely wrong. I think then, it's been uh, saved for SmackDown. Yeah, that like because that is really dumb of me because all the white rabbit stuff's been on SmackDown, hasn't it? So I, I probably everyone's probably yelling down their phones right now. <laughs> you bloody Aussie dead shit. Um, yeah. So obviously it's going to be on SmackDown. That's silly of me to even think that. But where are you? Uh, um, where are you at in like a scale of one to ten on excitement for Wyatt? Where are you? Oh, uh, now I'm going to sound like such a negative bastard. No, 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 no. This fun. is why I asked because I think it's fair. I'm on a hard five and a half, like okay. just over half. Like it's not, you know, I wish I, this is a, this is genuinely true. I haven't seen a lot of SmackDown. I wish that I'd seen the build with the white rabbit stuff. Cause I really like stuff like that. I think yeah. everybody does. Right. Like the ones that come to my mind are like, you know, the old Jericho returns and how they'd have stuff like that. And, you know, the coding and all that. So I really like stuff like that. And I think that's great that they're doing things like that. I wish that I, I'd probably be more excited if I followed the story a bit closer. But as far as just Wyatt. Sorry, sorry. I just want to jump in quickly because I wanted to say like, you know, because it's Wyatt, do you feel like it's like a case of you've been burned before? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I just, I feel a bit like that. It feels, but this feels like a fresh start. Yeah, um, definitely. In a way, in the same way as like, you could probably say that for a lot of guys, right? Like, you know, what about, like, Finn Balor? Like, it feels like we've been burnt with him before. Yeah. But this feels like a bit of a fresh start to him. Just things like that. I don't think it's that necessarily. And I, I do like White. I'm not I'm not against him. Like, I know there is, like, famously James Harris thinks he's, you know, the worst wrestler he's ever seen. I'm not famously, like he's wrong. Yeah, he, he is. Famously, he is wrong. Uh, <laughs> go on, what's that? Go and watch that Raw Rumble match against American Dragon. But what one of just the most underrated WWE singles matches in yeah. the modern era, I think. Okay. Or of that era, anyway. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Just definitely, uh, I- I'm going to wait and see where it goes. I'm just interested to see what he does. Because it feels like there's, on SmackDown, there's almost like a few contenders to Roman being built. It feels like there's a few different stories going on. Like, in the past, you know, why you know whoever it is returning superstar comes back and normally they go straight for the title right whereas i don't think they're going to rush into that because there's carrying cross still there's a storyline from what i can gather on social media with like the bloodline and sammy Zayn and jay uso now you know they're almost teasing jay uso versus roman again so i'm i'll be having a look 
you know, I'm not going to say that I'm absolutely buzzing, losing sleep, waiting for it on Friday, but when it comes, I'll have a look at it. No, I think that's completely fair. My excitement is is a lot higher up the scale, but there is a part of me going, I've been here before, like with The Fiend in 2019, I was obviously, like everyone, I was like, wow, they've absolutely nailed this comeback, blah, blah, blah. And then a few months later, I was like, oh, he's world champion. He's had a disqualified Hell in a Cell match. Now, I don't think Triple H is going to make the same mistakes. I'm not for a moment suggesting that it's going to be the same booking plan. But what I mean is more like we've been here before with Wyatt coming back to big hoopla. This feels even bigger, I'll admit. And then I just want the next thing he does now to be so exciting. And I want it to, to hit... Like the thing with Wyatt has always been, he doesn't need the title, right? And and I don't necessarily disagree, but I also feel like the most exciting time of Wyatt's whole WWE run, he's had some good matches, as we said, with Brian, but the most exciting time I ever felt Bray Wyatt was is that single moment when he stroked the belt when Triple H had it. And it was like so anti-authority and like wanting to kind of, you know, like Brian made it the, um, and The Fiend made it obviously a decrepit title one. And Brian made it his own title, the Hemp Championship. Like, it needs to be, if they were ever going to go into the title again, it needs to be a macabre version of the belt again that Bray does. And I just want them to be, like, nothing's off limits and, like, give him a free run. Like, and then Triple H rein him in on the ideas that are insane. But I'm really excited. I'm probably on an eight and a half right now, personally. um, That's good. what the potential is. We could come back and see what he's doing at Mania and uh, maybe I'll be excited or not. But I have faith in it. I really do. I think it was such an excellently put together. And I didn't love all of it. Like, I don't really want manifestations of the Funhouse as humans. But I thought as a whole package put together, it, it was something that got all wrestling fans talking. And I think that's the point. Yeah. I, like, if we really break it down, we could do a whole hour on this, couldn't we? But, like, mm. I'm probably <laughs> thinking about it now. Like, I'm glad that he hasn't come back as The Fiend because The Fiend can't really lose. I know they tried to make him lose, but that's what kind of ruined it right i saw like i, I was again i oh know we're going long on this but i do think it's worth talking about and um, i was reading a thing about how the fiend was a horror movie character put into wrestling and that's yeah. why it didn't work because essentially yeah he can only lose when he's murdered that's like, right otherwise he can't lose yeah that's why those characters do run their course like if you are that type of character you have to really reinvent Even I think about like, you know, the longest running example would be Kane. But how many times did Kane change over the years? Went from, you know, like Big Red Monster, Tombstone and people. Then he finished with The Undertaker. He won the championship. And then next thing you know, it's tag titles with X-Pac as a babyface. Yeah. You know, and then it's he can talk and then the mask comes off and then he's humanised, you know, and then he's monster again because he's burnt under all that stuff, right? So... It does have to change a lot. And then eventually maybe you click back into, oh, he's a monster again because we want to build to Undertaker at WrestleMania again and we need him to be unbeatable. But, yeah, like it it is hard to keep that character going long term. And that's what Ross said. I remember we did a roundtable right back in the early stages of the podcast where Ross spoke about the idea of like territory heels and how, you know, heels can only last for a certain period of time in any territory and then they move on. And that's something that has gone from wrestling because the territories just aren't there. Like maybe there should be more movement and like even more trades and stuff like that. Like back in the territory days, it's like, well, we've had our heel here. He's, you know, Lance Archer, for example, in AEW. Well, we didn't want him to win the title. He had a good run. Now what do we do with it? And I think it, maybe it's the same with Wyatt. So I think it's important that maybe he's a bit more humanised. For sure. 
But it would we'll, we'll wait and see. Like, I, yeah, I'm, I was probably a bit cold on five and a half. You've got me a bit more excited, con man. So that's, <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, good. that's good stuff from you. Ross Casey, smart guy. Yeah. Yeah, that is for true. That is for true. You heard it here first. Well, I'll only compliment him when he's not around. Yeah, same. Yeah. Mate, should we do a little bit of a roundtable? Should we uh, introduce our listeners to Big Laddie Cool himself? Let's do it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. Introducing first and foremost, he is. Uh, where, where do you come from, Matt? Barnet, I think. Boreham Wood. Boreham Wood, Boreham. come on. Boreham Wood. He hails from Barnet, but he's fighting out of <laughs> Boreham Wood. This is the con man, Big Laddie Cool. Ran out of breath about halfway through Connolly. No, it, it was good. It was good. I mean, apart from the barn and stuff, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would have gone the other way. Let's go straight into it, mate. This is all about yourself, mate, and, and letting the wrestling should be fun. Uh, wrestling should be fun universe. I can't believe I just said that. What a tosser. <laughs> The WSBFU. Yeah, the, the WSBFU. When it's time to party, we will party hard. It's all about people getting to know yourself, mate. And it would be interesting. I don't even know, like, with our little podcast here on this corner of the internet, this very positive and kind and nice part of the internet, maybe there are people that listen to this and go, hey, my favourite is that big laddie cool guy. I wonder what his dealio is. So that's what this is all about. You mentioned Boreham Wood, mate. What's the story? Born and bred? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. There isn't a hospital in Boreham Wood, but this is where the family were. Well, I moved about a bit before that, like as a kid, which you can't remember. But yeah, the life I can remember is Boreham Wood. Yeah. It's a sleepy town. North, well, say sleepy. It's going to be louder. It's zone six, so you can still get your little travel card and get in and out. That's fine. Yeah. And yeah, it's right next to Barnet, which is why uh, there's uh, a nice rivalry with Barnet. At least you didn't say Watford, which is the worst one to say. There's no yeah, I got to know that area really well. You know, my my partner's from Bushy, which isn't a million miles away. There. Oh, really? That is that's so close. Yeah. So she yeah she's from Bushy. She grew up out there, and I've done a few trips. You know, at five a.m. in the morning from Bushy to Enfield, where I work in the car. You know, when I've stayed out there for the evening. So it's um, Bushy's okay. It, Bushy's quite nice, actually. Yeah, I, I don't mind it out there. It's not a million yeah. miles away from where I am either in Walthamstow. It's good. So you're, you're growing up there in Boreham Wood. What's the wrestling connection? Like, so far when we've done these things, most of the Wrestling Should Be Fun boys were onto wrestling at a pretty young age. Like, what about yourself? Yeah, similar. Similar to everyone, really. Like, it's Attitude Era-ish. So I think I was about eight or nine. It'll piece together when I tell you the wrestlers and the, what was happening. But yeah. Um, yeah, wrestling was popular. And um, all the lads at school were like, oh, you got to watch this wrestling, man. It's really good. And I was like, yeah, 
I'm usually in bed by the time that's on, lads. I'm a child. But they're like, they've got cool <laughs> parents, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, I'll catch up eventually. And then, uh, as I'm sure has been brought up before, Channel 5 used to have a one-hour WCW show. So yeah. it used to be on before Fort Boyard, another classic programme. And then um, I'd, I'd watch that and I'd be like, oh, no, I like this. This is good. So I'd go into school and I remember going like to my mates like, oh, yeah, I watched the wrestling. Like, oh, what do you think? I was like, yeah, that Sting guy's cool, isn't he? And they were like, you're watching the wrong thing. <laughs> this is not the thing we're watching. We're <laughs> watching the real stuff. In 80 countries, in seven languages, to over a half billion viewers each week, the World Wrestling Federation, the worldwide leader in sports entertainment. So I actually, for the first, like, through 98, 99, when everyone else is watching all the Austin stuff, I'm watching Sting, Goldberg, and the boys. NWO. Like, but I'm watching it on a three-week delay or whatever Channel 5 used to put out. Like, they didn't care. I watched the same episode two weeks running. Channel 5 didn't care. Like, they were just yeah, pumping yeah. it out for content. So it wasn't until, like, late 99 that I... I remember buying a Armageddon on video. That was the first pay-per-view I bought. But I had mates who were trying to like make me watch this, make me watch that. But yeah, WCW. Oh, I remember the first match that I ever loved was Goldberg-Raven for the US title. I believe it was the US title when Goldberg won it. And that's why yeah. I loved Goldberg. That's the first match I remember loving. See, I, yeah, I, I remember that really clearly. I, similar to you, like I, I was actually more of a WCW fan than WWF. I think it was just because I was... At that time, I was younger and it was like, oh, this is more maybe relatable for me as a youngster than what the WWF was with like, it always even felt a bit edgy at the time. And like looking back, that's why people loved it. It was more of an adult audience and it was great. But there was something safe about WCW. It was still a bit old fashioned and a bit Southern, you know, which is I think if I look back and I'm honest with myself, that's why I liked it. The Raven Goldberg, I'm a bit rusty. So was that when Goldberg won the US title? I think so. And like the flock are all just flowing in and he's just yeah. dispatching them all. That's yeah. the match I remember being like, oh, I like this. I really like this now. I'm not just watching it because my mates like it. I, I actually like this now. I actually remember because I like Raven was my guy. Like even in WCW, <laughs> I, like, I, I can pretend like I was an ECW fan in 1995 and I followed Raven versus Dreamer. I didn't. I watched that later on when I was at university. But I loved Raven in WCW. That's where I saw him first. I, I don't know why I was so drawn to him and the character that I was. And then I'm pretty sure he beat DDP the night before. And that was like a six-month feud for the US title. It was really big. And then I remember just being gutted. I was like, who's this Goldberg prick? <laughs> and then it wasn't, it doesn't feel like it was that long later with Goldberg as the US champion. I'm pretty sure that then he um he was slated to wrestle like Scott Hall for the US title. And then he ended up unifying the belts on the same evening, I think. Yeah. I think so as well. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty sure he defended it against Hall in the first hour and ended up, you know, beating Hogan in the in the main event. And also, my fandom was not covering pay per views at this point. So I'm like a ten year old kid who's just watching this one hour show every week and just not really knowing what's going on in the thing I like and just trying to wing it at school. Yeah. And everyone else is watching Raw on a Friday night and loving life. But yeah, I I can't lie and pretend I was cool watching Raw like yeah until '99 and then. Then in like 99 and 2000, then I got on Surrey and I was like watching Smackdown every week because it was on a Saturday. I could yeah. see that it, just without the chair shots. Oh, yeah, yeah. They still do that now. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that was so good as a kid, though. Like, obviously, WWE was much more popular. WF then was much more popular. But that used to be like absolutely like my Saturday morning was made. It'd be like 
I'd watch the Italian football at 10 and then switch over and watch me wrestling. It was amazing. Yeah, that was the other thing for me. Raw was on on a Tuesday night. So similar to you, like sometimes mum and dad would make me go to bed. But Nitro was Friday night. And when you're a kid, you don't have shit on on a Friday night. Yeah. Like, it was the best. And I was allowed to stuff as late as I wanted. Sometimes, like, they wouldn't get the feed quick enough. So then <laughs> they'd show, like, an old episode, and then you'd get two episodes back-to-back the following week. you get, like, six hours of Nitro on a Friday night. That's amazing. That, yeah, that, that, as a kid, that was, like, the best thing that ever happened to me. So like, eventually in 2000, I clocked on that one of my nan's channels had, uh, I think it was TNT, so I could tape Nitro. So I got, like, I think you've had a similar experience, right? 2000 OCW to you is really good because you yeah. watched it as a kid. So I yeah. had a similar experience where like I'd watch it every week and be like, this stuff's really good. Like, I don't, this is so exciting. The young blood and the millionaires, like, oh, what's going to yeah. happen? But you're a kid, so you just think that's the norm. And I, so she used to take that for me and I'd watch it on the weekend. So there was no spoiling it then, obviously. That sounds so old, don't we? Like, bloody hell, but... Yeah. There was no spoiling it in the week on the internet or anything. So you just watch it on the Saturday. It was like a whole day of wrestling. It was amazing. Yeah. Like it was very rare that I managed to get to the library to log on to rajawwf.com. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, also, Dom, were you a babyface? You know, you said about you like Raven. Did you generally yeah. like the babyfaces though as a kid or were you a bit edgy and liked a few heels? Mate, 100% heels. Like, oh, really? Uh, You're the same yeah. as John Collins. Just like, Love the hero. I was the opposite. I loved Rikishi in WWE. Like, Uh, he was my guy. I I liked Rikishi because I always liked, like, this sounds like I'm putting myself down or whatever, but I always related to, like, the fat wrestlers, you know? Like, uh, Earthquake was one of my (laughs) favourites. Like, that. Like I always did, you know? And, um, but no, I always, always heels, mate. I, my favourite wrestlers as a kid, like, my, what, well, this is, this is about you, not me, but, like, my first real memory as a kid was, it was on video, but I remember like my brothers making me watch Hogan versus Andre and cheering for Andre because I was like, oh, this Hogan, <laughs> like, like stuff like that. You know, oh, you like, were really you were far down the line then, yeah, yeah. Like, and then, but like this all ties into me and my personality. Like, I also had this weird thing as a kid where I followed the England cricket team, even though I'm an Australian. It kind of transversed into other things, not just wrestling. It's my favorite thing about you. Because I don't understand it, but I think it's amazing that you follow the yeah. American team. And and like I, I've told people and stuff about it. Like I, I've tried to like you know self-analyze, but it's it also tr- like went into things like if someone says why do you love wrestling, I'm about to ask you why you love wrestling when you're a kid. That's a <laughs> question. But if I answer it first, I often say to people, well, because when I watched the Ninja Turtles, which I loved, and when I watched Power Rangers, which I loved, like Shredder never won. Like, I know that the Ninja Turtles would win at the end of the episode and Batman would win at the end of the episode. Whereas when I watched, like, sometimes Hulk Hogan lost. Like, the genius beat him on Saturday night's main event and I still remember loving it. That was my favourite match ever. <laughs> and just because, and that was the thing, like, some, it, well, I just loved it because of that, like, as a kid. And, and it's the same, like, you know, the best time of my life was when Darren Goff took a hat trick in the 97 Ashes and, and like, it was a dead rubber at Sydney. It didn't matter. It was still <laughs> just, you know, Australia were winning 4-0, but, it, you know, that was my favourite. And that's that's the moment that I loved the cricket team, that moment. Underdogs were my thing. It wasn't because they were bad guys. It's because they were underdogs. Yeah, yeah. And then that went all the way through to 96 with Shawn Michaels. And then that's because so, he was... That's so weird, though, because you're saying about underdogs, which is a babyface thing in theory. 
Yeah, I don't know why. I always looked at Hulk Hogan and like and later years John Cena and stuff as they're unbeatable. Yeah, they're, like CM Punk said, they're the Yankees. Yeah, fair. And fair. I and that's why you know if we really think about it, this is now just me talking about myself, but if we really no no it's interesting. It, Go on. People ask me why I support Newcastle United, and it's like well. I start, you know, when I was a kid, I thought I liked Manchester United until I started watching some of their games and I realised I hated their fucking guts. Well, I just realised that I, I, why, I, like, successful teams are not for me. Like, I just, I don't, I'm not drawn to winning teams, really, you know? It's just not my thing. Yeah. I, I don't know why that. It's not. It's people have said to me when I was a kid. Oh, this is just you. You're an attention seeker. You don't really love England. <laughs> I, you know. I, well, um, I think you've proven it now. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, it's all. <laughs> it's all of work. I've been working everyone for thirty years. Yeah. Um, like um, but, that South Park episode where they did the future, and I think Cartman works Kyle for like twenty five years, and then they go, <laughs> ha! <laughs> and they're like, why did you do it for this song? It's like, yeah. But that's me. What about you, mate? Like, why, why are you drawn to wrestling as a youngster? Like, what do you remember? Is it just because you tried to fit in with your mates? Yeah, like, do you know what? I honestly think the start of it was that. Like, it's weird to explain it now, isn't it? Because it was so in the culture there. Well, I, get, I listened to Brum's episode and he said it didn't quite catch on as much where he was. Or, or maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Sorry, Brum, if I did. But um, it was, like, massive at my school. Like, everyone talked about wrestling. Everyone was wrestling on the playground. Everyone had a favourite. Everyone was, like, telling you which wrestler you had to be. And so, so I had to like wrestling in a way to fit in. Um, not in a kind of, oh, I, I was the weak lad and I had to pretend like uh, just everyone was watching it. So you just watched it. So yeah. it's hard to say why I loved it, like loved it. But I know in 2000, like, I loved wrestling. I would not miss anything. WWE, I would watch all of it. I'd watch, you know, when they had all them programs like uh, Afterburn and all that. I'd just yeah. stick that on. Why, the same why? shit. But you just stick it all on, wouldn't you? Because you're a kid and you're like, it's repetitive and you, it feels comforting. I, I think from 2000 through to like 04, I think up to the age of about 14, 15, I was watching every wrestling program I could get my hands on. Was there, in your life, was there, you mentioned like Armageddon on video. Like, did you have that culture yeah. of well, like renting tapes or, um, you know, just itching to get your hand on anything you could at the like video store or HMV? It was more, um, so I, yeah, I didn't really buy many personally i don't remember having a lot of cash free cash then but no. my mates did obviously i remember trading tapes and it's interesting you say about ecw because i've been open about the fact i know nothing about ecw really apart from one video that john collins had of and you're gonna have to tell me the name of the pay-per-view donks now you're a bit of an expert what's the one where they break the ring bam bam and taz uh that's a they did i think living dangerously a, maybe yeah there was a living dangerously where they did it i think it yeah. might have been it must have been living dangerously 98 i think that that john had that on video and i remember that blowing my mind like yeah. why if they broke the ring i can't remember the rest of that pay-per-view i think the main event gets kind of ruined because they throw too many mannequin heads in the ring how snow comes back or something. yeah yeah that's right. like yeah like uh, Mate, mates videos and like I hung around with another lad called Louie who had every WWE video and we'd just watch him like you know just in the background while we're doing something else but yeah. wrestling was a massive part of things yeah like um everyone talks about tape trading when I first got back to dressing I was like oh is that when you you and your mates just gave each other the tapes you had I was like oh no it's not it's it's much cooler than that 
Uh, it yeah. was like it was training cool wrestling matches that I didn't even know about. But yeah, we just used to lend each other the videos that we had, and like yeah. so. I've I've seen like most of ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand on DVD um, on a, a video, but yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was the same as you. Like my parents weren't wrestling fans; I understood that I loved it, but they they were hesitant to really. If I said, "Oh, this pay per views on it's worth it's twenty dollars," like they didn't quite understand. Yeah, like <laughs> just my parents didn't understand the the model of pay per view, and and like I couldn't explain it to them because I was a kid. Like my I remember my mum saying all the time, "When is this on for free?" And I'll be like, never, <laughs> never on for free. It's not, it's not on for free. That but, is amazing. I love that. Yeah. It used to happen every time. And I, and I, you know, I'd ask every month and then I just kind of realized that I just wasn't going to get it. So I just sort of stopped asking. I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to get this. So, but luckily for me, like I had a mate of mine who, but I had, uh, we didn't call it Sky, we called it Fox. Like I had Fox, but a mate of mine had one of those like dodgy cards that gave you like, you could put a different like SIM card into the box and you got every pay-per-view and every channel. Oh, that's close. Yeah. So he, I mean, you know, I'm a law abiding citizen, but it wasn't me, but he had one. And and then I, all I had to do was like, if I bought him a blank videotape, which was, you know, from the pound shop and then he would tape the pay-per-views for me. So that's that's, so good. You hacked it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I ran things with WWE for a while there. It's funny you mentioned WCW and how we thought it was the best thing ever, even though it was absolutely awful. Like, I remember one pay-per-view that my parents did get me, like maybe it was for my birthday or something, was um, Great American Bash 2000. Right. And it was, the, it was the one with Sting and Vampiro in like a human torch match, which is like their version of the Inferno match. Yeah. And I remember just being like, this is the greatest pay-per-view of all time. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I think it was like a week before or after King of the Ring 2000. And I remember just being like, oh, my God, that's so much better than King of the Ring. King of the Ring is shit. <laughs> and like, I look back now and King of the Ring 2000 is so fucking good. What <laughs> like, a tournament. And- like, isn't that like Kurt Angle wrestling, like Edge and stuff? Like, yeah, really- yeah. Like Kurt, <laughs> Ishii, Kurt Angle, Benoit. Like the main event, I think, was that like rock. It's a six man. Is it a six yeah, man? yeah. It's like yeah. Rock Undertaker and Kane. Versus Shane, Vince, and Triple H, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, stuff like that. Like, it was just, and it was just great. And then, I, but at the time, I was like, that's fucking shit compared to Sting versus Vampiro. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? Like, yeah. I honestly would love to, like, talk to 10-year-old, 11-year-old me and go, what do you like about, like, because we like it now because it's so bad. Like, I yeah, genuinely yeah. do love, I remember in lockdown watching those WSW episodes, one of my highlights, like, it was amazing. But, like, I'd love to know what 11-year-old me thought was actually good. But, yeah, it was weird because, like, we watch those shows now and then it is because it's bad and it's funny, but it's also, like, it's actually just an entertaining television program. Like, yeah, maybe it's just, it is, yeah. It's just so mental. But then every now and then you'd be like, holy fuck, it's got someone to just do a screwdriver. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, just something happened. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why, why did he do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, it was just every now and then you get something absolutely mad. Yeah. So in this time, uh, you said about 2000, 2004, like who are your favorite wrestlers? Like who stands out? Right. So this is, I'm not doing this for like um, comedy effect or anything. I don't know. Again, I'd love to ask my younger self why. Uh, Chris Benoit, I loved. Yeah, yeah. I know that's not like, obviously that's aged terribly, but. And again, he was the antithesis of every other wrestler I like. like. I like The Rock. I loved Rikishi so much, I made my nan knit me a Rikishi, which I think I've shown before to the lads. Like, 
like I, I liked all the baby faces and like Chris Benoit was a baby face in late WCW and I used to like him then but I'm not sure why I gravitate towards Chris Benoit who I think even he would admit wasn't uh necessarily like a fun baby face like it was really do, odd that I gravitated to him so much do you think it's because you saw him in WCW first oh. yeah it must be but I liked what? him in WCW and I'm not really like I, I vividly remember him being Jeff Jarrett and I know Jeff Jarrett's an amazing heel when you're a kid but like Benoit had a ladder match with Jarrett I think it was one yeah. of the US title and he and he every time he stood on the ladder Jarrett had, I mean Benoit was just smashing the piece of the ladder but he was like Jarrett's fix the ladder so that every time Benoit steps on it, the steps fall apart. And I was like, so annoyed. I was like, why I can't you just win? <laughs> I remember, with the, oh, I'm sure I'm, this is going to be wrong and people are going to, you know, don't read the comments. All the comments under this episode are going to be dom fucked up. But I, I wonder without looking up, maybe Starcade 98, I think it might have been. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think Jarrett wrestled twice on the card. He had another match and then, Scott Hall again, second Scott Hall sighting. I think Scott Hall might have been, it was meant to be Benoit versus Hall in a ladder match. Oh, maybe it was Jarrett versus Hall. And, but anyway, Scott Hall, I think, had to pull out because I think it was when he was really fighting his demons. I think he turned up drunk and he got pulled from the match. And I think it ended up being Benoit versus Jarrett. I think from the top of my head. I uh, trust you. I yeah. completely trust you. So Benoit Could was always a guy for no reason. I don't know what the reason was I like Benoit, but I mean, less by him. Uh, Goldberg was the first wrestler I loved. Uh, yeah, okay. And he, he was like the guy. Like, uh, if he had a match, it was the most exciting thing to me. Like, when he beat Tank Abbott, that to yeah. me was like an absolute. Because I'd obviously, when you're a kid as well, and this Channel 5 show had shown me Tank Abbott every week beating, I don't know, Evan Courageous or someone in a minute. Yeah. I know he ended up being with Evan Courageous. But like, he yeah, just yeah, beat yeah. That's, in a minute. That's, it's, that's the one person he didn't beat. They were tag partners. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I picked the one guy he actually liked. Um, <laughs> but but he just win every week, and I really didn't like him. So when Goldberg just like humiliated him, I was like, oh yeah, Goldberg's the fucking best. But obviously, I loved Goldberg, yeah. and he was the first guy I loved. So yeah. I loved him. I loved the Kishi. I loved the Rock because because again, because I got into WWE later, like I just pretended I loved Austin as much as everyone else. But yeah, I kind of yeah. missed it. <laughs> like I, I missed. I just kept getting reminded that he'd been run over, and I was like, oh, that seems a bit nasty. But yeah, the Rock's here, we. So yeah. And yeah, I think this is also why I just love 2000 Triple H because I hated him as a kid. Yeah, 2000 Triple H was my favourite wrestler. He's the best. 2000 Triple H is the best pro wrestler ever. I'm dying on that hill. It's pretty close, I think. I, think, I, I mean, at the time I loved it. I, I, I really, really did. He just brilliant. I, he really was great. And he had to be because Austin was hurt. Yeah. You know? 2000 was a funny year because it was great. But at the same time, it always felt... It's a bit strange when you put on like Royal Rumble 2000 when The Rock wins and Austin's not on there. And it's like, where the fuck's Austin? And you're <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 2000 was a great year. Triple H's a big part of it. Mate, so we get the sort of, we're working sort of through. You're a, you're a young man now. Did you ever have that bit where you went away from wrestling? Did you sort of yeah. have that phase? Yeah, so like like I say, I stuck with it to 04. So I remember the brand split and stuff. And there were probably spells where I dropped off. But I remember sticking through the brand split and like liking it. And then then you have that spell. And I don't know if you had the same Don. Did you stick with wrestling maybe where um, you still like it, but you're pretending you don't because everyone else has moved on. But you're still hanging on a bit. So I was still hanging on to Heidenreich and Sean O'Hare. But everyone else has yeah. given up now. But I'm still secretly watching that on a Saturday 
like checking out what's happening on SmackDown. I'm maybe not committing to as much wrestling anymore, but I'm still checking it in. I'm still putting the numbers in on the remote, still looking at that channel. Did you have the same thing or did you just stick with wrestling? Uh, I had a similar thing, um, in, but I always loved wrestling. I never pretended I didn't. But for me, what happened was I fell out of love with WWE. Um, oh. And But luckily for me, I just happened to stumble across a couple of guys called Loki and Amazing Red. And then I just went, <laughs> I, I just went and found Ring of Honor and TNA. And so I still kept up with WWE like you did. I still watched it when I could. And I often then, you know, I started tuning into like Velocity instead of SmackDown because it had uh, Jimmy Yang versus Paul London and stuff like that. But yeah, I, it was WWE that I fell out of love with. But I always had to keep up with it just because of RVD. But outside of that, yeah, you know, I went to the indies and stuff like that. And then it all came full circle for me. So is this like for you, like I'm just trying to get a bit of a feel for where this is in your like, you know, shoot life. Are you, is this like university for you? So like I, re- I would say late, late school. So like yeah. I reckon by 15, I'm, I'm tapping out a bit. So like 2004, five, I'm struggling here. Like I'm, I'm seeing bits. I'm keeping in touch now because the internet's got a bit better now. So I'm keeping yeah. in touch with it, but I'm not actually that bothered now. If I don't watch it, I'm not crying about it. I'm yeah. like, I'm kind of, it's there in the background. And then I'm, and then it just, just phases out. And I think there was another lad called Matt in my school who stuck with it and he got such stick. Like, oh, really? it's awful now. Like, but you just thought, oh, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to find out I'm still watching. So you just yeah. keep it on the down low. It sounds so silly now because I'm the opposite now. Like, I sometimes, uh, where like in the life I am because I, I talk about wrestling with anyone like if someone says what well, I like I go wrestling and and now I just be like the opposite I just be like oh, I think it's great or whatever um, yeah. but the back then when you're a kid like oh no you can't can't admit to liking this so yeah I pretty much tapped out by about yeah I remember um the first ECW show was like 05 wasn't it so then I was completely gone but you know what I always used to do weirdly was if I went out for the day my grand used to take me bring cross for the day I'd always read Power Slam, even though I wasn't watching wrestling. So I'd go in WH Smith's and just spend half an hour while she was shopping. I'd yeah. just go and read Power Slam. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know, Power, was Power Slam? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we used to get it. We, we yeah. didn't get it every month or whatever, but every now and then it'd turn up in a news agent. So I'd, I'd go and read Power Slam, even though I didn't know who wrestlers were, which is the only reason I knew who CM Punk was when I got back to wrestling, because I'd read this Power Slam during my off season. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I pretty much tapped out and just give up on it. I wanted to ask about, like, you know, your studies and stuff like that, like your, your university, now that I mentioned it. I don't want to get it wrong because that sounds like I'm not your friend, but you you, you studied theatre, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there a wrestling connection there at all? Like, or is it, is it complete, two completely different things in your life? No, um, I think they were quite separate because I, I was into it before and after, so I'd love it to be a connection, though. That would be amazing, like, if cool. I just wanted to be Hulk Hogan or something. No, I, I think they were quite kept quite separate, really, in my head. Do you know what, though? Like, I reckon it would have been such a help at uni if I liked wrestling because I've yeah. got so many free ideas. It's funny you say that, though, because, like, the reason I'm sort of working towards, again, one of my stories, but, like, so I started doing drama at uni and, honestly, I really, I just got bullied out of it by, like, I just didn't connect with anyone in, like, yeah. my lecture. Like, I remember at the time, like, my favourite things in the world, genuinely, I'm not just saying this for the pod, like, wrestling and rugby league and cricket. And I remember just being, like, I'd go in there on a Monday, you know, to lecture, you know, before Smoko, and they'd all come in with their cigarettes and their coffee. <laughs> and, 
and you know people would be you know i didn't know anyone i was like oh well, you know what'd you get up to on the weekend I'm like, oh yeah you know what's the footy yesterday looking forward to raw tonight <laughs> whatever and people just like <laughs> looked at me like i had two heads it was maybe like how your friend was when they're at school because i didn't have that at school like i was just the wrestling guy and people just put up with it they're like oh that's yeah. just dumb. you know i oh, know and actually oh that's just dvd he, he likes, wrestling. <laughs> no one just likes it but we put up with him you know but um when I, yeah, going to uni, like any, and any time like a lecturer would always say like, oh, you know, they'd ask a question or whatever. And ki- people would be like, oh, well, in Les Mis. And then I did like, my answer was always like, oh, at WrestleMania 17, like I just, and I, like I even, you know, I wrote one of my university, like my, my actually like, this sounds really weird and nerdy, but I had to do a mini thesis once for an honours course that I did. And I wrote it about wrestling. Um, <laughs> so, and then I lost That's it. Good. Yeah, it was like 10,000 words on wrestling. It was pretty much why I liked wrestling. Um, but it was like essentially a, a thesis about why I think wrestling should be a legitimate form of art, pretty much. But yeah. I lost it, like crashed with a computer and I couldn't get it back, annoyingly. So I, w- I wish I could read it now, but I've, I've, it's gone. I wish I had it. Yeah. Oh, do you know what, Dom? I'd love to do a roundtable on is wrestling art. Yeah, that's, let's, let's log that one. Let's do it. Because let's I know it. Cody Rhodes has got some really strong opinions on that. I remember reading them once. That was amazing. Uh, at uni, yeah, I, um, I ordered the Royal Rumble 2008 because by then it had got kind of back to niche sort of time. So I was like, oh, yeah, we can watch wrestling now and be like, kind of ironically like it, if you know what I mean, like at this yeah. point. And the guy yeah. who I was mates with was the same, like he dropped off from the Attitude Era. So we got the 2008 Rumble. The first bit of the 2008 Rumble was some wrestler going up to Randy Orton going, you're not going to win tonight, Randy. And I was like, Randy Orton's going to win this Rumble, isn't he? Coming in yeah. as a jaded fan. And then he did. And I was like, oh, I'm not bothering this wrestling anymore. It's so predictable. Like, oh, it's not like when I was a kid. Like, obviously, yeah. I'd just forgotten all the tropes from when I was a kid that I now yeah. enjoy as an adult. But back then as a moody 19 20 year old he thought he was way too cool i was like oh, i'm not getting back into this wrestling because it's so predictable man that's so funny because like i think about this all the time about how it must be so hard to watch wrestling through the eyes of someone that hasn't watched it as a kid like we, we experience every now and then this yeah. is another this is a round table by the way log this uh, <laughs> like so now with this is our second round table idea of the evening but like when I just, you know, the things that there's just things when we watch wrestling that we don't see because we're just yeah. used to, like you said, use the the word trope, which is true. Like it's like an Irish whip. Well, of course they just bounce back and keep running. Whereas, <laughs> like, if I watch it with somebody else that hasn't watched wrestling the whole life, they're like, "Why are they running?" It's like because they whipped them. It's like, no, but I don't understand. Like, you know, or, and just things like that that we just accept because we've watched it our whole lives. It's funny yeah. that you kind of lost that for a while. Yeah, I I find it really interesting too, because at the time, as like, if I spoke to myself then, now, I'd be like, you fucking idiot, you're not getting involved, you're not enjoying it, you're not taking it for the media it is, you're trying to be too smart for it, like you're better than it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, then I honestly, and I did enjoy the show actually, weirdly, even though I can't remember a match now, um, we watched it with a few friends and a few beers and that, and it was really fun, but I just remember being so disappointed that I predicted who was going to win. Whereas yeah. I would never think that now, because obviously, as we know with Pickens, we usually get it right every time, Don, right? <laughs> well, rumbles, <laughs> rumbles are becoming a little bit more difficult to pick in the last few years. But uh, it's funny because like the Rumble is meant to be the most unpredictable match of the year, but actually it's normally the most predictable, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. As far as the winner goes, it's everything else that's fun. And it always has been, you know, Hogan, 
you're right. Like, hope you <laughs> the rumble. Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> One, two in a row. Yeah. Yeah, so that's sort of your gateway back in. Like, how long does it take you to kind of become a fully-fledged fan again? Oh, so there's only a couple of moments in the gap between, I think that was 08. I could be wrong. So, Phil, give it the ding if I'm right. I think 08 was Orton. And then the only other two things I remember about wrestling in this gap are hearing Wade Barrett and going, fuck me, they've got an English wrestler. Fuck me, this is amazing. Not coming back, though. And then the pipe bomb and being like, oh, that's that CM Punk guy that I read about in Power Slam. Still not coming back. And then it was John Collins who was like, got back into wrestling. And he was like, oi, there's this guy called Dolph Ziggler and he's really good. And I was like, I'm not coming back to wrestling, I don't think. Well, let's watch a pay-per-view and I'll I'll decide. Like, So we decided one night, we'll get a couple of beers in, a few snacks and we'll watch a pay-per-view. So this would have been like 2012. That's when I got back in and like fully got back in was late 2012 so there was no like spark it was literally john going let's watch a pay-per-view and then for Dolph john's favorite he was like listen i know what you're gonna say wrestling blah 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 but there's this Dolph ziggler ad and he's class let's watch it he yeah he was i think we forget there was a time when Dolph ziggler really was great and great it's 2012 so this is 10 years ago yeah Um, and then not he's not great now. Like I, all the yeah. respect in the world of Dolph Ziggler. I'm not trying to put the boots into him. Like fair play. Like, but if I but, said that to a new fan now, if I went, you've got to watch this wrestling in 2022. There's this Dolph Ziggler now. You'd be like, he's really missold this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is true. I'm trying to think of what the equivalent would be now. I guess it would probably be more on the maybe on the AEW side of things. Maybe you're like, hey, there's this there's this guy Pack or something. I don't know. Just, yeah. yeah, well, it was just an exciting dude who was high up the card, right? I, um, yeah. He was um, feuding with Jericho at the time. So it was quite a quite a big feud, you know? Like, Yeah. I knew Jericho was. I knew Punk and Cena were still feuding at that point. So the main event was Punk Cena, and they did the German suplex spot where they both pinned each other. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was when I got back in. And even though this is seen as a bad time generally, I really enjoyed it. And I was, I think I was ready to enjoy something unironically. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'd gone through that spell at uni where you try and be cool and like stuff that you don't really like and try and be cool. Yeah. I've gone through that spell where I tried to like films I didn't really like that were cool. And I've got to that point where I was like, I just need something now. Like, yeah, I've, that I can I've invest had... in. And it's like, I can enjoy it and not take it seriously. And then wrestling came. Like, it was all, the perfect timing. All of life can't be the horrors and the Mars Volta, right? Exactly. I just needed something fun that I didn't care so much about. And I've said it before, and it's not a joke. Ryback was the guy that got me like 100% back in. You what? I was like, oh, this guy's fucking amazing. What are you, fucking stupid? It's next on my list. Tell me about it. Come on. Well, I mean, firstly, probably triggered Goldberg memories, let's be honest. But yeah, 100%. Best. Like, I'm not even joking (laughs) when I say it. That's it. I'm out of here. just used to turn up he just batter the, these jobbers i'm like who the fuck's this guy and bear in mind obviously again like you know what we said about tropes i'd forgotten the trope of beating the the nerd if you know what i mean like he'd just come in just pick three people up on his shoulders and then just like toss them and i'd be like fuck me this guy's well good but why aren't they using this guy more 
Like, oh. <laughs> so, so he just completely won me over. I know he's a fucking idiot and like he says yeah. some questionable things, but my love for Ryback will never die. And it's not, it's it's like 10% a joke and 90% I do genuinely love the guy. Yeah, I, I get it. Kevin Nash was my favourite wrestler for a long time. It's just one of those things. Like, I completely get it. And he, again, people forget, people want to be cool and like bag Ryback. He was fucking over. And every, everyone wanted him to be pushed for the title at that point. I was a CM Punk guy, CM Punk, favourite wrestler of all time, whatever, blah, 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 up there, you know. But when Ryback got the head of steam up and was like, you know, looking like he was going to be pushed for the title. Everyone was excited for Ryback. It's when, you know, Batista fucking sucks. But when he first turned face and went after Triple H, like he was so cool and so over. Everyone loves it when that happens, you know. It, he, yeah, Ryback was certainly over. I, I think people forget how cool he was for a period of time. Yeah, and it, and it coincided with me coming back in, so I have an even bigger attachment. Like, I'm sure yeah. there's been guys since that have come in and had a moment like Ryback that has been or hasn't been capitalised from. But when I got back in, Ryback had his moment then, and so yeah. he'll always, like, fill that space. Like, I hear the name and it makes me happy. I'm like, oh, Ryback, I bloody love that guy. Like, yeah. oh, I, I do separate, you know, him from the bloke he's maybe become. I don't know. I don't really check his social media now. He seems yeah. an old bloke. But as a wrestler, I was so excited by him. And I did genuinely love watching him just wreck people in the same way I loved watching Goldberg do it 15 years before. Yeah. Yeah, it's, everything's falling into play. I completely understand that now with the Goldberg thing as well. Mate, I wanted to, like, sort of, like, so that's the WWE stuff. Like, obviously, and now, you know, you're back into it, still talking about WWE now, all the way through to the present day, Extreme Rules. But wrestling should be fun. I mean, we met through independent wrestling. So, like, I want to ask you a little bit more about that and, like, live wrestling. And, well, I guess the first thing is really how you came to wrestling should be fun, I guess. So, I don't know which to do first, independent wrestling or wrestling should be fun. I think they're pretty hand in hand. So Yeah, that, that's what I was hoping for. So, yeah. I, I wanna, I'll just set you up because you've mentioned John Collins a few times. Maybe you want to tell us a bit about, like, yours and John's friendship and how that started, where that came from. And then maybe just a bit about, like, how you became to be there on a Sunday in the ballroom. Oh, well, me and John have been mates since we were, I don't know, nine or 10. I can't remember the exact age, but we always liked wrestling. So we were, to fast forward it from that to, I don't know, whatever year we first went to a pro show, probably 2018, maybe 2017. Uh, we were getting into wrestling. Obviously, John's brought me back in, but then you get the itch and you're like, oh, I like this wrestling. But again, because of the internet, all these little people online are like, oh yeah, that WWE stuff's good. But have you seen what's happening in the Tokyo Dome? Have you seen what's happening in your own country, mate? In uh, Brixton, and there's this big show, and it's like all good and progress wrestling. And I'm like, what's this? So eventually, we were like, right, we'll go and see this progress show. But every show is just selling out like hotcakes because we just obviously got into wrestling the same as probably most people in the UK. I know you guys were a little bit ahead of the curve with that Brixton show and stuff, but we got in a bit later. So every show is selling out so quick. So we got chatting to 90s Mike at a gig for a mutual friend and he'd said he'd seen us at a dome show because they were the ones we could get tickets for. And in 90s, he's like, oh, I might have some tickets for a show down the line. I'll let you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was um, the original Matt, Matt Carlson, before we started multiplying and there was just everyone was called Matt. Uh, it was <laughs> Matt Carlson, right? And he uh, he had two spare tickets. And so, yeah, me and John got tickets for that. 
and it was the first progress show and then from there yeah you just get hooked didn't you do you remember which one it was uh, I know the main event was Brooks and Lycos versus Grizzled Young Vets. The yeah. opening match was Travis Banks v. Riddle. Oh, oh yeah. Riddle that's... needed to go to Yeovil, so he did the opener. That's right. I remember it. That was And Banks, did he win by counter? Like, did he lose by counter? He, yeah, I can't. I, I still, oh, he kicked out of, like, a destroyer off the top rope or something. I was like, this is mad, this stuff. Yeah. These lads are going for it. And I, obviously, and, I'd seen some dome shows, but it even felt a step up from that. And were you with us straight away? Were you straight over to wrestling should be fun because, like, the tickets came through Carlson? Yeah, so we, obviously, Mike was like, oh, this is the lad who's giving you the ticket. So we spoke to Carlson and his girlfriend, whose name I can't remember, which sounds Hannah. awful. But she was, Hannah. Yeah, Hannah, yeah, she was lovely as well. And then Ross was there, and I remember you being there because this is one of my favourite in the pub afterwards, Dom. And I mean, I mean this with absolute love. It's one of my favourite conversations. I don't know if you remember it. We were talking about Marty Skull and we yeah. were all a few beers in. But I, honestly, this is like, no, it will. Like, this humbled me and it was amazing. And it changed my perception of like the way I kind of viewed the wrestlers I don't like. So we were talking about uh, progress and like stuff. And I was like, oh, doesn't that Marty Skull wrestle here a lot? And you were like, yeah, he's fucking awesome, obviously, because he was and you liked him. And he, was, going, he, was, he was my favourite. Like, and he, I would... He, got me into brick rest anyway exactly. keep no no exactly and 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 quite rightly like whatever you think of that guy now and quite rightly probably most of it's negative that guy was massive at the time and so popular but i was i don't know whether i was being called or i just didn't get it because i'd seen him in like little bits and bobs and i remember arguing with like in a nice way like i just don't like him i don't like this i don't like that i remember you saying to me i'm starting to question whether you get wrestling fundamentally <laughs> and i remember being like and all words to that effect. So I was like, oh, you might have a point here. Because I don't <laughs> like this guy and everyone else does. So no. the problem's me. <laughs> but I don't bring that up as like a, you were being a dick. I bring that up as like, yeah, no. you're right. Like, I was I was humbled that day. Like, you're right. No, look, uh, mate, I've said it before. Dom Philp, baby face. Get a few beers into me. Dom Van Dam, massive heel. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've got no ill feeling. I bring it up because it was a nice humbling moment where I... It kind of feeds into what you're saying about wrestling should be fun. Like, it made me think about, like, well, no, why do I like the wrestlers I like rather than I don't like this guy because blank. It's funny you say that because I, I remember a conversation you and I had very early in our friendship. It was about referees. Yeah. So first of all, let's just talk about the referees because everyone in wrestling should be fun kind of has their own little gimmick. And I think we're talking about, we've got to do, uh, you guys were talking about on the pod last week about how you have to make sure Josh gets his gimmick conferred on him at some point in the future. You know, you're big laddie cool or, you know, con man, you known as the Pickham's wizard really. But the big thing that I think a lot of us always remember is your absolute disdain for referees. Yeah. And then I think you and I had a conversation once at a progress show where you were like, yelling at the referee and i think i leant over and i said you know this is a work right <laughs> yeah i remember that yeah yeah <laughs> i was such a prick to you <laughs> no 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 it was good because i was like yeah that, this is my bit <laughs> yeah and, and that's right and then that that's when at that moment i was like oh yeah this guy i like this guy yeah this is my <laughs> bit this is what i bring to the interactive experience yeah yeah it's a it's definitely 50 percent a bit like yeah there are times now where people go Come on, what's going on? And I'm like, yep, I know. Yeah. I'm meant to do the bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Don't worry. I'm waiting for my moment to own it. 
But um, yeah. yeah, I do genuinely get annoyed by refs, though. That is not a, like the live experience. Obviously, you've got to invest in the story. So I try and treat it as if if I was here and this yeah. was a legitimate sport, what would I be annoyed at? And 100% of the time, it's referees. They're just so bad. But obviously, I'm not a dick. I know that <laughs> by design, they are meant to be bad. Yeah. But just yeah. still, it will not, especially if you plant in, it will annoy me. So, yeah. But uh, it is my bit. I, it is my bit. And uh, if yeah. someone else wants to make it their bit, I'm quite happy to pass the buck on. But Mate, I do it when you're not there. Just like as a <laughs> like a like a little bit of a nod, a bit of an allusion to Big Laddie Cool. I'll uh, I won't go full into it, but I do love that. It's one of my favourite things I've ever heard of the wrestling show. Just the one word, referee. <laughs> I, just, I do love it. It's great. The guttural reaction, yeah. Roberts. Yeah. Well, this is it. It's got to be. It's got to be meaningful. Like it's nice that people give me the nod, but I'm like, no, listen. I need to see it. I need to assess this. If it's bad enough, I'll give it the shout. Don't worry. Yeah. Mate, we could talk all day. I've got a couple more for you. So like earlier on, I sort of asked you, like, what was it that drew you to wrestling? If you had to kind of sell it now to someone, like, as you know, right now, 2022, and you did have to try to sell it to someone that wasn't a wrestling fan or not even sell it, just see if someone wanted to come along to progress with you, for example. What are you saying about it now? What do you like about wrestling? What is it that keeps you going? Well, I mean... Comic book films are the most popular thing going right now. So it's kind of like, if you enjoy that, there's no way you won't enjoy this. Like, it's an experience that brings so many things in. Like, Good vs. Evil is the obvious one that is everyone's screaming, but it's more than that even. Like, it, it's a guttural reaction to, like, what's happening in front of you. You're seeing, like, an athletic feat mixed with the emotion. And if you just pick a favourite, like, the whole experience changes. And then you have to buy in. Like, it's a bit like when people say about... Um, you can't be put uh, into a trance by a psychic if you don't buy in. You have to buy in. You have to be of an artistic mind or of a mind that wants to enjoy it before you can fully immerse yourself. But once you're in, I promise you it will be one of the favourite things you do. If you're not of that mind, fucking crack on and move on. But if you are of that mind, like, you've just got to get involved because it will reward you and you will get so many good moments. And I can get this from my own life, like... Loads of my mates who I brought to wrestling or like just introduce them to even W on the telly. If they're of that mind and they get in, they're sold. They might not watch wrestling every week, but they're sold and they respect it and they love it. Yeah. You've summed it up beautifully. That's a little bit different to how I've ever heard it described before. I've heard a lot of people ask that question. Really excellent way of putting it into words. Like you do have to be ready for it. Yeah. Like, I like that idea of buying in. And I think that's it. the most important thing, though. The buying in is the most important thing. Like, my girlfriend enjoyed the show, but she doesn't really give a shit now. Like, she just enjoyed the fact it was an experience. She enjoyed people's reactions. Whereas yeah. I, I take, like, my mate Harrison, and he's bought in on the experience and the characters the way it would be a TV show. Like, So it's yeah. just down to the person. There's no right or wrong answer. And the last thing I liked that you said was, like, you almost have to pick a favourite. Yeah. That's, that's the same with any sport. Like, even the most entertaining sport in the world, like, you, like you might be like, oh, okay, uh, slam ball. Do you know what that is? It's like the basketball that has trampolines. I'm not. It sounds amazing. It's cool for, like, a three-minute highlight video when you see, like, people <laughs> bouncing on trampolines and, like, yeah. making big dunks and, like, you're allowed to, like, block in the air and stuff. But then it's like, well, I don't really give a shit about this because there's no league and there's no favourite team and there's no stakes. It's just, like, dunks right? It doesn't mean yeah. shit. And wrestling's a bit like that too. Like you might be drawn to us like, oh, wow, what a 
shooting star press or what a whatever it might be. What a huge choke slam through a table, and you, and that's like a way of trying of, of getting people involved. But really, that's not why you come back. The reason you come back is we already mentioned, and I, I hate to give too much airtime to Marty School, but for me, it was like fuck. I'm coming back because of that guy. I made a connection with him. And it sucks to say that now, but it's the truth at the time. I'm sure the first time when I flicked on wrestling and whether it was a love or a hate thing, it was a connection with Hulk Hogan. I, I want to see him lose. <laughs> or yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think people don't realise how important that is. And that's why wrestling will, it's never going to be fully the circus. It's never just shooting star presses. It's about a connection just like you would have with your favourite football team. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, and even now, I was like about as probably, I don't know, I don't want to sound like a tool, but like probably about as educated of wrestling fans as you'll get. I mean, we do have a fucking podcast um, <laughs> that I'm told people listen to. Even now, the best times for wrestling is when you care about who wins, right? Oh, 100%. And, and I know uh, James Harris has always been an advocate for this. It's how you know that it's good. For me, that's how I judge if something was good. The other night at that Dome show, I wanted desperately for Lycos to be Chris Brooks. And I was like, fuck, that was good. Because they made me look that. They actually made me feel something, you know, which is why any art or any sport is the same, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mate, last question for you. I've asked you this before. I'm pretty sure we did a mix of minute once, again, very early in our friendship, um, which was a thing I used to do on Instagram at the break in, uh, uh, what, what's the thing we go to? Progress wrestling. That's it. That's cool. um, yeah, I should probably know that. Um, mm. I'm just about, just about on the payroll these days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the last question was always Desert Island Wrestler, which is like one wrestler that you can only watch their matches for the rest of your life. Every match that you watch for the rest of your life has to have that wrestler in it, and it's their back catalogue. And I feel like the first time you answered it, you said Chris Jericho. Yeah. Even though I don't know if Chris Jericho is your favourite wrestler. And I just wanted to give you another chance. I'm going to ask you that question again. It might be the same answer. Like, do you still go the same? Is it well, still? Could I, you know, like, the, there's an island wrestler question. Yeah. Am I watching Chris Jericho's oeuvre, like, in terms of, am I, am I getting promos and stuff? Or am I just getting bell to bell? Oh, you can have promos and stuff, as long as it's already happened. <sighs> yeah, so if it's bell to bell, like, stuff, it wouldn't be Jericho. But if it's the whole shebang, yeah, it would still be Jericho. If I changed the question and said it was just bell to bell, who are you it's, it's a It's the Akada. Yeah, it'd be Akada. Fuck, that's a weird answer to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about you. I forgot we had this because I don't really understand a card. I know, no, no, that's fine. Listen, we don't have to unpack a card now. He's my favourite bell-to-bell wrestler. But Jericho's my favourite character and, like, longevity-wise and everything, I think he's incredible. I don't don't know if that's at odds with each other or not. I I just want to like... Have you ever seen Rob Van Dam? I don't... I've seen them uh, their matches with that Jerry Lynn lad. They were really yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, mate. Well, yeah, look, we'll wrap it up there. Um, Can I just, no, because I just want to, I, um, I yeah. know you want to wrap it up, but now I do as well because we've gone way over time. But I did just want to say about the whole wrestling should be fun experience because I don't think I went ham on it earlier. Like, I can't express to anyone who's listening who's not part of this group, like, how amazing it is. Like, it's such a positive experience for wrestling. And, like, I can honestly say it's changed my view of wrestling for the positive so much. Like I'd be that typical jaded internet wrestling fan and like maybe other things would have happened and I'd start thinking a bit positively, but honestly I'd probably be stuck in the same rot. So many wrestling fans are where 
I think 70% of it's shit. And then I just hope 30% of it's good. This group has so much changed my mind. Like Ross's attitude to wrestling is so perfect. He's so positive about everything. And like, it's not a gimmick. He genuinely just loves wrestling. And once you get to know him, you completely see that. But obviously Mike bringing me into this group, like Mike's such a great lad. Like, yeah, he might, you know, he might just want to uh, chaperone what we can and can't charm, but in a loving way, like, He's amazing. Like, Dom, yourself, like, you view these shows and, like, you record and you always manage to get the best shit. So if I'm not there, I always see the show and I feel like I was there. It's like an immersive experience for me seeing this. I could talk for days, like, Bram, what a great lad to meet. Like, this guy's brought me into his fantasy football league and, like, I'm now playing with him and getting invested in that. It's such an amazing group of people. And um, I just didn't want to leave the podcast without giving big love to... And I could do it to everyone else in the group. I don't want to just signal four people, but... It's amazing, man. Like, this is such a great group of lads. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you talk about it forever. The, I think the important thing for me that probably sums that up as well is just, number one, there's not a single person in the Wrestling Should Be Fun group. I don't think I've ever had this with any group of, like, blokes. And they are blokes. This is not me being sexist. Wrestling Should Be Fun is mostly males, I think. Yeah. I don't ever have to say, oh, well, he's a good bloke once you get to know him. Or I don't don't have to do any of that because it's just genuinely 25 really decent lads. And the other thing for me is take wrestling away. It's, you know, it's wrestling should be friends. It's just mates now. Like it doesn't have to be wrestling. Like like you said, you're in Brummett's fantasy football. We could go to a gig together, you and me, whatever. Like you just go down to the pub for a beer, no worries. Like it's not, it's it's friendship away from wrestling. And uh, for me, I never had wrestling friends. And now I've got 25 of the best. I just can't believe it either. It's just a magical thing. And I don't care. Maybe that's boring for people that aren't in the group and you're listening to this. It's like, why are they talking about themselves so much? Well, if you've made it this far, it's fucking 90 minutes of us talking about ourselves. So it's just, it is the best. And you know what? Everyone's welcome. If you're at a progress show, come and well, that's have why, a beer. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't say it's it's wasted because we're, it's basically an advert. Come yeah. and join if you're a good lad, come join. Or a good girl, but we, we, we can do with them, as we've said. But anyone, yeah. just come join. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Perfect place for us to leave it. I'm so glad that you stopped me from wrapping that up, Matt. Thanks for getting yeah. that in. It is really important. That's probably about all the time we have here on Wrestling Should Be Fun. It's more than the time we have on Wrestling Should Be Fun. Thanks, Phil, for your patience. Matt, is there anything that you wanted to particularly plug? I don't think that's really your go, but is there anything? Nothing. I'm just plugging wrestling should be fun at the top of the show and the end, the bookends at WSBFUN on Twitter. Uh, Lots of followers over there. Uh, You can hit us up at wrestling should be fun on Instagram. Fewer followers there, but still sometimes there's some good content and that's pretty much it. I think there is a website wrestling should be fun.com. There's nothing on there anymore. I don't think I want to thank very, very, this is what I do. I'm trying to thank people. I just couldn't think what to do. I got stuck. Um, (laughs) I want to thank most importantly, Matt Connolly, my wonderful guest this evening and maybe next time I'll be his guest. Probably we don't do this enough at the end of shows. I want to thank uh, Phil Stopford, the editor, who makes everything sound good for your ears. Um, I'm recording. Yeah, I'm recording this on an iPhone with no microphone or headphones right now, and Phil still makes it listenable. So thank you, Phil. If you Google Phil Stopford editor, you will find him if you're looking for some editing work. I cannot recommend him more. Uh, Lastly, 
Most importantly, thank you very much to you, dear listener, for all your support. I'm Don Phil. Until next week, drink lots of water, look after you, mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.